Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me. And today, a handful of things for you. But I will start with this. D1 Baseball released their uh, projected field of 64 yesterday. And as you know, Ole Miss has a series upcoming with South Carolina, pretty important one, uh, as it turns out, a really important series with South Carolina, as it turns out, this weekend. Uh, Because according to D1, they did their regional projections, and they have Louisville, the number 12 overall seed, hosting Ole Miss as the two. Uh, Behind Louisville, for what it's worth, they have Charlotte hosting a regional, South Carolina hosting a regional at 14, Pittsburgh and Nebraska between Louisville um, and and the end. So uh, Ole Miss appears as the number two seed in the Louisville regional. And aside from the obvious storylines and the message board, heads exploding if that were to be the case, it, it underscores this weekend truly how important this series is for Ole Miss because as I understand it, this is the last weekend before they award regional sites. They will announce it on the 10th, but if I read Kendall's reporting correctly, they are going to decide. They said He said at the end of April, regional sites. And then seating will be determined based on how the the rest of the season goes. And there's multiple things at play. Generally, if they were doing it only on merit, um, Ole Miss has to win the series this weekend. They they have to if they want to host. At this point, they have to win the series if they want to host. I think that is as easy, etched in stone. I mean, I mean, I don't think you could really argue against that. They have to win this weekend. Um, it is pretty remarkable that they've gone from number one in the country to not hosting in four weeks just kind of shows how how much they have free-fallen into the position they're currently in. But that's how it goes. I mean, or that's what it is. That's what's on the line this weekend is win the series. If it's just merit, you're hosting. If you don't, you're not. Really that simple. My question is if the NCAA does anything more. Because you guys remember a few weeks ago, they released a statement saying that they won't award host sites to places that can't show that they have an atmosphere of inclusion or whatever after these uh, these states, multiple states, signed um, transgender athlete laws. And Mississippi is one of those states. Uh, you don't know how they're going to approach this uh, from a COVID standpoint or anything like that. I mean, you don't know. They left so much room for ambiguity, or at least Kendall's report um, left so much room for ambiguity in it that you don't really know um, if it's going to be just straight merit or not. So maybe there are more factors involved. But if it is just on merit, that's all it is. Win this weekend and you're in. It's really that simple. Win this weekend, you're hosting. If you don't, you are not. That's really what it comes down to. So it really shows how important this weekend is for Ole Miss. Uh, Being right now a two seed, just on the outside looking in, 
South Carolina being a projected host right now. South Carolina's RPI is really good. I think they're 10th. Um, so the biggest series of the year is upcoming this weekend for Ole Miss. No doubt about it at all. It is the most important series of the weekend, and it's an opportunity for them as well. Because, as you guys know, I've been really critical. Um, Richard and I got heated on Monday show because I am very much a what are you doing for me now lately, and, and I don't want to hear about what happened 20 years ago. I want to wonder why you have lost four series in a row, not playing very good baseball, losing to the best teams on your schedule when you're more talented than what you've shown. Um, We got into it a little bit because I don't really care about what it was like 22 years ago. I care about what it was like right now. Talk to me about what you are today. Anyway, um, but I still today, even after all this, think that Ole Miss is a team. I've said this a thousand times to you guys before, but it's because I believe it. It is a team that can win a regional. It is a team that can win a super regional. It is a team that is that talented. The starting pitching is that good. They have flaws. One extremely obvious and glowing flaw. They've got them, but they are capable of doing that still. I still believe that. And we'll see if Saturday's walk-off was a galvanizing thing for that team and they get right and they start playing better because they are better than what or the way they have played. They are better than what they have shown you lately, which is sloppy, bad, unfocused baseball, bad approaches at the plate for the most part. I mean, you know, if if it's a guy that has made a living off of feasting on first pitches, I'm not going to knock him for swinging on a first pitch all the time, but stuff like that. Um, They have not played well enough to win anything of value over the last four weeks. They got to prove it, and they've got to prove it this weekend. I mean, the pressure is on. I think they're capable of doing it. I really do. I think everything is still right in front of them, but it has to start this weekend. It has to start this weekend. It's a beatable opponent. You are at home. They they have to clean things up, and they have to do it this weekend. I think they can, but we shall see. It is by far the most important weekend of the year, and they've got to rise to the occasion, or else you're going to get the same old, same old treatment And that's how it's going to be. So, very important weekend. Uh, I also, uh, on the stream this morning, I talked about Matt Corral getting disrespected again by national media and also the offensive line coach uh, firing situation. Uh, I'll play those for you right now. So, if you watch the stream, you've probably already heard it. But uh, the analytics show there's not a whole lot of crossover audience. Uh, So... Uh, this is probably new to you. Again, this was this morning, but Matt Corral was again disrespected by a national platform. And uh, my thoughts on the uh, Randy Clements situation with Lane Kiffin and what I'm hearing and stuff like that. So all that's coming your way first. I do want to remind you that the show is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. If you're going to go to the ballpark this weekend, make sure before you throw something on the grill, especially for Saturday's game, 81 and sunny. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, stop at LB's. Go by and see Greg and tell him that we sent you, that I sent you. And um, also get one of their daily lunch specials, Monday through Friday. Let them do the cooking for you. But if you're going to do something on the grill or involving meat, that's the place to do it. That is LB's right there in Oxford. Uh, these will end the podcast, so it'll, it'll end abruptly. There won't be an outro. This will just be the end of the podcast. But uh, my thoughts from the morning live stream on Matt Corral and his disrespect 
and the uh, offensive line coach situation at Ole Miss. So thank you guys for tuning in, as you always do. Enjoy this from the morning live stream, and I'll talk to you guys again later on this week. A friend of mine sent me this this morning with just a question mark uh, attached to it. Uh, This was a content item from ESPN yesterday. I believe they published it yesterday. Today is the 28th. This was the 27th. That's right. And it uh, was titled, The Most Intriguing 2022 NFL Draft Prospects from Each Top 25 College Football Team. So they have Ole Miss listed at number 18. If I understand this correctly, uh, they have their teams ranked like they would, and then they pick the most interesting draft prospect uh, from each team. So this is not a ranking one through whatever. This is Clemson is number one. This is their most intriguing draft prospect. Alabama's number two, and so on. So when you see Matt Corral at 18, they're not saying that he is the 18th quarterback behind Spencer Rattler, for example, or uh, Sam Howell, although you know Howell might be ahead of Corral right now. But that, that's not what this is doing. This is saying that Ole Miss is their preseason number 18 team. But here is what they said about Matt Corral. I'm reading directly from ESPN. If North Carolina's Sam Howell is the projected top quarterback in 2022 and no one is saying he isn't, Matt Corral deserves a mention. While he's a tad short at six foot one and doesn't possess the strongest arm, he has two things every quarterback needs. He's accurate, having completed 71% of his passes last year, and is plenty capable of making big plays. His yards per drop back is a whopping 9.19, which is the highest of any returning Power 5 quarterback and nearly half a yard higher than Howell at 8.4. And that was from Alex Scarborough. So that's pretty glowing, right? I mean, I'm not going to nitpick everything. That That's pretty glowing. He thinks that Corral is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Uh, but the, the point I'm making here is, uh, number one, to get this out of the way, it is very hard uh, to have extensive knowledge of every college football player. There's a lot of teams and a lot of good players on every team. It's really hard to do that in the NFL. Um, you're not going to get everything right. I do not get everything right. I mean, I have some takes about Lamar Jackson that I'd love to have back. Um, things like that. You're not going to get everything correct. It's just not going to happen. But there are things that have been written about Matt Corral that just that, that really don't make any sense. And that one line in particular that I grabbed and I'm paying attention to and everybody else is, that just doesn't add up. And when you when you combine this with what was said a few weeks ago, that the reason that he was turnover prone last year is because his team was constantly playing from behind. I swear, Matt Corral's the most... Uh, misunderstood, um, incorrectly written about quarterback that I can remember. Matt Corral's turnover numbers are not because he was playing from behind too often. His turnover numbers came from two games that his team should have won had he not turned the football over, where his defense gave him enough at times anyway to win those games, especially Arkansas. I mean, he didn't turn the football over against Alabama when he racked up a billion yards and touchdowns. I mean, that, that was just... Somebody that looked at season stats didn't even look like look at the game by game log and just wrote something about his turnovers being because he was playing from behind too often. Didn't even bother looking at the game log because those all occurred in two games. Uh, and now this, it's a glowing review. Alex Scarborough is very complimentary of Matt Corral, 
And I mean, he's got to cover all of college football, but I mean, that's just, that's just inaccurate. Doesn't have the strongest arm. Matt Corral's arm strength in deep ball is his best attribute. And then when you look at this list and you see that's not listed for Spencer Rattler, like they don't mention anything like that. They say, well, he had a three game stretch where he threw five interceptions, but you know, they got hot at the end and everything's good. Uh, Sam Howell, there's no knock on Sam Howell at all, which you'd be hard pressed to really find one. He's a great player. Um, I mean, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Those kind of guys listed on here as far as draft prospects, and Corral's the only one that that has just such inaccuracies written about him. We are approaching silly season with this quarterback situation uh, with Matt Corral. Uh, You'll read a a content piece, and Bryce Young at Alabama, who's not played a meaningful snap in his career, will have all these glowing things written about him, and then Matt Corral apparently has a – doesn't have arm strength. JT Daniels was was good for a few games last season, and he will be the first team All SEC quarterback this year. We we are approaching silly season with this deal, uh, and it's does anybody watch him play? Like I understand the team wasn't very good. I mean they went five and five. You know that's not great. National. College football people probably focus their attention on teams that are not losing five games in a 10-game season. I get that. But if you're going to write about this kid, you know, maybe just you know, look at a couple highlights first. I, I mean, it, what's funny is after I saw that, I literally just Googled Matt Crowell highlights, and the first two throws on the first video that pops up are a 60-yard throw, on the money, and a 65-yard throw on the money, hitting both receivers in stride, perfectly placed football from 60 and 65 yards out. There's a throw in the Egg Bowl where he's off balance. He can't even step into the throw. It's just completely arm, and it's 55 yards on the money for a touchdown. I mean, arm strength is, like I said before, it is his best attribute. I think his arm strength is what could separate him from other quarterbacks in this coming draft. If you're going to write about Matt Corral, if you're going to criticize him, it's extremely easy to do. The, the flaws in his game last season are, are are obvious. It's not arm strength. It's not accuracy. It's not athleticism. It's not big playability. It's two games where he let one mistake turn into five and six mistakes. Played 10 games last year, that that happened twice. If you're going to write about Matt Corral, it's very easy. It's he has to avoid the Arkansas and LSU game. Because the other eight, he played at an elite level with elite arm strength and accuracy and leading an offense to a chance to win. It's so easy to write about this guy, and you don't have to watch him to come to that conclusion either. Just go to game logs. That's all you have to do. Just go to game logs. You can find what's wrong with Matt Corral's game right now. It's very easy to do. But if you're going to write about this kid and you're going to knock on his arm strength, you're not watching him. That's what he's best at. And again, you're not going to bat a 1,000. I certainly don't. Um, Scarborough's gotten it wrong before he'll get it wrong again because he's a human and it's sports and it happens all the time. But it's not just him. 
like I said, there was something I saw a few weeks ago where it said that he's interception prone, but that's because he's trying to will his team back from behind. That That's not when he threw his interceptions. It, it was two games. We are so willing to make excuses for guys that have a G on their helmet or guys that that have their uniform number on an Alabama helmet. But when, when it comes to Matt Corral, it's arm strength's an issue. Just completely made up. Just completely made up. Or he was turnover prone last year because he was trying to cut, will his team back from behind. It's just completely made up. Completely made up. It's crazy. I, I don't understand it. He is the easiest quarterback to pinpoint issues. The easiest one in college football, maybe. Uh, but but here we are. Just completely unable to get uh, to get this kid right. Completely unable to get him right. And again, I feel bad saying it because uh, he calls him one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And he is. He absolutely is. But anyway, I just saw that and rolled my eyes. Uh, we are we are going to s- completely get this kid wrong. Um, anyway. JP says, I don't have a dog in the fight other than wanting to see Mississippi excel, but you are absolutely right. Remove Arkansas and LSU, and the story's not even written. Yeah, I'm... But but you can't. I mean, that's the thing about him is he can't have those games this year. There are people around the program that think he can be a Heisman contender. I agree with that, but you can't have an Arkansas and an LSU game this year and be a Heisman contender. You can have a day where you throw a couple of picks and, and make some mistakes. I mean, you, you can't – you don't have to be perfect. And the team's got to win more too. I mean, you can't go 6-6 six and six and have a Heisman contender at quarterback. It's not fair, but but that's reality. Um, you can't have six turnover games. You can't. And he did it twice last year. If you get rid of those, though, he is a Heisman contender. He will break records. He'll be a high draft pick. Maybe slightly undersized. But undersized quarterbacks in the NFL are, are kind of, it's kind of trending in that direction. Baker Mayfield's not a giant. Kyler Murray is famously quite small, and he went number one overall. Um, It's going to happen. But he just can't have those two games. I guess my point is, in all of this, he's very easy to to pinpoint, but it's not arm strength. Um, It's not arm strength at all. It's his best attribute. Um, Anyway. There was almost a scandal in Oxford. And the reason why I say almost is because of the initial thought. So Ole Miss yesterday, uh, news broke uh, from David Johnson at uh, the Ole Miss 24-7 page uh, that Ole Miss terminated uh, their offensive line coach, uh, Randy Clements. And that led to a bunch of questions. In fact, a friend texted me and said, what did he do? And my response was, I'm not kidding, my response was, you better hope it's just a very minor NCAA thing and they fired him to get out ahead of it and the NCAA accepts you know, accepts that as punishment and moves on. Because that happens quite a bit, actually. Assistants will break an NCAA rule, he gets fired immediately, and they kind of just accept it and move on. Um, it, it happens a lot, quite frequently. 
And when you announce, or it wasn't announced, when the story breaks that you fire an assistant coach two days after the spring game, at the end of April, your first thought, my first thought, which was wrong, but my first thought was scandal. Something He did something wrong. I even had uh, a source tell me that, you know, nothing to see here. It, it was an internal disagreement. Uh, you know, don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. Don't worry. And my reply was, if you get fired in April, you screwed up. Like, I didn't believe a guy that would know. Like, one of my sources of information, I told him he was wrong. I didn't believe it. Because you don't fire assistant coaches in April unless they did something wrong. So for a little while there, there was there there was you know people wondering you know what the hell's going on here? What why what did he do? You, you hope that it was NCAA related and not like criminal action. That was where my head went, and that's where a lot of people's head went. And uh, turns out that that is that is nothing of the sort. Multiple people reporting at this point. Uh, it's it appears to be accurate uh, that there was no scandal. He didn't do anything against the law. Um, he didn't do anything against NCAA rules, as, as far as we know, that he was fired because there was philosophical differences, was what one of, one of my sources, you know, air quotes, sources, uh, told me was that there is a philosophical difference between the two. That appears to be underselling it some, that there is some friction there that uh, extended beyond just slight disagreements, that there was there was some real friction there. And that's all it is. So if you're an Ole Miss fan listening to this, or if you saw that news, I'm sure you've seen it by now, um, it's a big sigh of relief because my head, and I'm sure a lot of your heads uh, went to a very different place uh, than that. Um, I thought it was scandal. I really did. Like I told you, I, I a guy that would know, I didn't believe him. Because you don't fire coaches in April. But apparently it, it boiled over. So that uh, that is the reporting now. Multiple people reporting. And I had somebody that I think would know tell me that um, it, it got to a point where a working relationship couldn't exist. And maybe that's wrong. I, I don't know. But that there was a lot of internal disagreement about philosophy, about recruiting. I mean, there, there was a lot of headbutting going on there. And that's what led to this termination. Even if there was headbutting, I still think that um, uh, this decision was made with the replacement already in mind. Um I, I like to throw out the Occam's razor a lot. <laughs> don't you dare paint me into a corner, John. <laughs> People don't forget. Um, yeah, I, I I've said this to to Haydad before, but man, you can you can have one thing that you say on the radio or, or, or that you've talked about in the past, and, and the listeners will not forget. There is not a more engaged audience. By the way, if you're listening in podcast, uh, John had a, the same comment that JP had yesterday about being painted into a corner uh, because of a conversation Richard and I had on Monday's show. Um, there is not a more engaged audience into the content than audio. 
Um, podcast, radio, the people that listen to podcast or radio really, truly, they they listen and they really like consume and remember your information more than any other platform, more than television, more than newspaper. Um, you, there's more engagement with your audience and audio platforms than anything else. And um, people don't forget. People, uh, they never forget. So um, you guys missed some electricity if you didn't listen to the radio show on Monday. I, I wish we would do that more often. We need to butt heads a little bit more. That was fun. He didn't like it, but uh, that was fun. But anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was scandal. And uh, it turns out it, it was just some philosophical differences. And the next question, because uh, as the reporting came out, apparently Clements and Jeff Levy are extremely close. Ole Miss's offensive coordinator. And there's even some talk that, that Levy is furious uh, about this decision. And... I wouldn't be surprised if I was working with a dear friend of mine and he got fired for a reason that I disagreed with, I would be mad as well. But uh, there's a lot of worry about that. I've had a lot of people ask me, and I could be wrong about this. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, um, you know, will Lebby being mad about this, like cause strife in the locker room and make this season not go as well? Like, is there going to be a rift between he and Kiffin? Uh, Will he leave? Stuff like that. You know, maybe he does. I doubt it. But have you ever been mad about something that happened at work? I bet every single person listening to this has had a moment at work that made them mad. A decision that a boss made that they didn't like, that they disagreed with. Um, that's happened to literally everybody, myself included. Uh, so even if Jeff Lebby is furious about this, because that's the word out there. Even if he's just so mad, so furious, whatever. Um, he's making a million two to be an offensive coordinator in the SEC with a Heisman contending quarterback. It's going to be okay. At least you should think so. Maybe he does. Maybe he picks up and leaves. I don't know. I mean, that was insinuated to me yesterday. I, I don't buy it, but that that was insinuated to me yesterday. I don't believe it, but if he's mad right now, then fine. I've been mad about things that have happened to me at work. It'll happen to me again. I imagine all of you have been mad about things that have happened to you at work, and I imagine at some point soon you will be again mad about things that happen to you at work, a decision that your boss makes that you don't like. It's happened before. It'll happen again. But this is Lane Kiffin's program. That's the thing. As a head coach, you do not make decisions to keep your offensive coordinator happy. If you think that you can do better with an offensive line coach, if you think that your philosophical differences are so great that he cannot continue working for you anymore, if you have disagreements on recruiting or player development or whatever the case may be, whatever the strife is between the two of them, if you have decided that you cannot have him on your staff anymore, it doesn't matter what your offensive coordinator thinks. Because as great as an OC as Lebby is, and this is all, I'm just basing this all on like the talk. I don't know if this is reality or not. He could be okay today. He could have been mad for a second and, you know, is back to work. I mean, who knows? But if you're Lane Kiffin, as great as an OC as Lebby is, 
when they win a game, who gets the credit? Mostly the players. But when they lose a game, who gets blamed for it? Lane Kiffin. If they win 10 games a year, who gets credit? Who gets the raise? Who gets the extension? The head coach. If they go 3-9 and nine and 4-8, and eight, guess who gets fired? It's the head coach. So it's, it's Lane Kiffin's program. It's his offense. It's his team. And if he is butting heads with an offensive line coach, if there's a philosophical difference, doesn't matter what the OC thinks at the end of the day. So I don't know how prevalent this mindset is around the people here, but I have been asked a couple of times already, well, why did you make that decision if it's going to make your OC mad? Because you think it's the right one. That's why you make that decision, because you think it's the right one. You've seen in the previous coaching staff making decisions based on loyalty or whatever, keeping assistance, even though you know that it doesn't fit just because they helped you get the job or whatever the case may be. No, it's the SEC. It's a cutthroat business. You need to be cutthroat or else you're going to die. That's how this works. You think Nick Saban gives a crap about what his OC thinks? No. He makes the personnel decisions that he thinks are correct, and that's it. Would you prefer to have your OC happy with every move you make? Sure, yeah. You want everybody on staff to hold hands and sing Kumbaya together and have beers after work and just love everything that happens, but that's not reality. This is the SEC. The SEC is a cutthroat business. And if there's a strife, if there's something wrong, if there's not a working relationship, then you cut bait and you don't care who it makes mad because at the end of the day, it's your name on the program. It's you are the reason and you are the fault of literally everything that happens. If you think you can upgrade, you do it, regardless of who it's going to make mad or happy. That's how you run a program. At least that's how you should run a program. So, Would you prefer not to be replacing a coach in April? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Would you prefer your head coach not have philosophical differences as it was described to me with his offensive line coach? Sure, absolutely. You would. Um, But am I going to criticize a coach for making a cutthroat decision in a cutthroat league? Nope. Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's the SEC. If it makes an OC unhappy, and again, that's just that's just talk. I mean, who knows? He could be fine today. He could have never been mad. I don't know. Um, but if if that is a residual effect of this, that's that's too bad because that's just not how this works. So, a Super Talk Mississippi media production.